This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. A group of pro-Ukrainian Russian partisans said that they would hand captured Russian soldiers over to Ukraine. The Russian Volunteer Corps had earlier demanded a meeting with the governor of the Russian border region of Belgorod, from where the men were taken. Russia says the partisans are proxies for the Ukrainian army, but Ukraine denies responsibility for incursions, saying volunteers are responsible. India's railway minister said that a fault in an electronic signal system was the cause of the country's deadliest rail crash this century. At least 275 people were killed and more than 800 injured after trains collided in Odisha, a state in eastern India. On Saturday, Narendra Modi said that those responsible would be, quote, punished stringently. OPEC Plus, the oil cartel and allies, including Russia, decided during a meeting in Vienna not to cut collective production further than it had been previously agreed to. Saudi Arabia, however, will make further voluntary cuts of 1 million barrels a day. Reduced supply is intended to increase the price of oil, although an unexpected cut by OPEC in April only had a modest impact. Police in Russia arrested more than 100 people demonstrating in support of jailed Kremlin critic Alexei Navalny on Sunday, Mr Navalny's 47th birthday. President Vladimir Putin's regime has cracked down on dissent since Russia invaded Ukraine last year. Mr Navalny, already serving a nine-year sentence on trumped-up charges, is facing a fresh trial on, quote, extremism, offences that could keep him locked up for decades. Hundreds of thousands of Polish pro-democracy demonstrators gathered in Warsaw, the capital, for a rally called by the country's biggest opposition party, Civic Platform. It claims that since the Law and Justice Party came to power in 2015, it has undermined the media and the independence of the courts. This week, Poland's president approved a contentious law that could be used to stifle opposition. Fighting between Sudan's army and the paramilitary rapid support forces resumed in Khartoum, the capital of Sudan, after a ceasefire which began on May the 22nd expired on Saturday. Negotiations in Saudi Arabia to extend the peace broke down on Friday. An American spokesperson said that talks would only resume when both sides were, quote, serious about complying with conditions. Benjamin Netanyahu, Israel's prime minister, called the killing of three Israeli soldiers close to his country's border with Egypt a, quote, terrorist attack. Egypt's government has agreed to cooperate with a joint investigation, which Mr Netanyahu expects to be, quote, exhaustive and thorough. Israel said that the perpetrator was an Egyptian policeman. Egypt's army did not confirm this. And figure of the day, 2.3, the world's fertility rate today. The number of births per women has fallen from 2.7 in 2000. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. The countdown to COP28. Climate diplomats from around the world will assemble in Bonn, Germany, on Monday for 10 days of negotiations, 
Top of the agenda is the Global Stock Take, an audit of climate action mandated by the Paris Agreement in 2015. The two-year job of collecting and analysing information about what countries are doing to meet their climate targets must conclude in Bonn. Evaluations of countries' progress and prescriptions for what they must do next will take place at COP28, the United Nations Climate Summit due to be held in the United Arab Emirates in November. All the signs indicate that the countries are woefully behind on meeting their goals. The meeting in Bonn will also be a test for Sultan Al-Jaber, who has been appointed by the UAE as president of COP28. In May, more than 130 lawmakers from America and the EU demanded that the UN replace Mr. Al-Jaber, who is head of the UAE's state oil company. They are concerned that he will let the fossil fuel industry exercise too much influence over the talks. Australian War Crimes in Afghanistan On Monday, an Australian civil court will publish its full judgment in a defamation case brought and lost by Ben Robert Smith, a decorated soldier who was accused by three newspapers of having committed war crimes. Mr Robert Smith served with Australia's Special Air Service between 2003 and 2013, including in Afghanistan. In 2011, he was awarded the Victoria Cross, the Army's highest honour, but accusations of misconduct have dogged him. In 2019, Mr. Robert Smith sued the three newspapers for alleging that he killed several unarmed men during the Afghan war. On June 1st, a judge ruled that the papers had established the substantial truth of most of their claims, including that he shot a disabled prisoner and kept his prosthetic leg as a beer horn. More details will be released today. Mr. Robert Smith has always denied the allegations. Australia's government established a war crimes unit in 2021 after an inquiry found evidence that SAS soldiers had murdered dozens of Afghan civilians. One SAS veteran, Oliver Schultz, was arrested in March, becoming the first Australian soldier to face domestic war crime charges. Mr Robert Smith could be next. Recently a plaintiff in a civil case, he may become a defendant in a criminal one. More bad news for Germany Recent weeks have brought a slew of bad news for Germany. In May, the economy technically fell into recession, two consecutive quarters of contraction. Figures for foreign trade in April, due to be released on Monday, are unlikely to bring much cheer. German exports to countries outside of the EU, data for which are already out, slumped by 5.7% in April compared with the previous month, and exports to China declined by 10.5% in the first quarter of the year compared with the same period last year. The trade deficit with China keeps widening. German car exports to China declined by 23.9% in the first quarter. At the same time, German imports of electric cars from China rose by 28%. The country's politics are looking less than stable too. Having engaged in a bruising battle over a proposal to ban the sale of oil and gas heaters, the three parties that make up the governing coalition are now squabbling over budget cuts. A new approach to Turkish inflation? On Saturday, Turkey's president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, announced his latest cabinet after being sworn in for another five-year term. His new economic team under Mehmet Simsek, the Treasury and Finance Minister, has a massive challenge. The central bank's foreign reserves are depleted after the bank sold billions of dollars to prop up the Turkish lira during Mr Erdogan's re-election campaign. The currency has lost 5% of its dollar value since his victory on May 28th. 
Annual inflation peaked last year at 86% before slowing to 44% in April, thanks largely to base effects and to the central bank's interventions in currency markets. Consumer price data released on Monday will reveal if it's picking up again. The easiest way to tame inflation, restore confidence in the lira and earn back the trust of foreign investors would be to raise interest rates. Mr Erdogan ruled that out before the election. Mr Simsek will have to convince him to change course. How the brain shapes thought In the 19th century, scientists believed in phrenology, whereby one's character was apparent from the shape of one's head. Modern neuroscience, however, holds that thoughts and behaviours results from billions of electrical signals firing in the brain. But according to a landmark new study in the journal Nature, brain patterns may indeed have more to do with the grooves and contours of the brain. The researchers focused on the brain's eigenmodes, which are its natural vibration patterns, which occur at the same frequency. By analysing 10,000 MRI scans, they found that the organ's geometry mapped onto brain activity, as a drum's shape determines its sound, better than its neural connectivity. As well as turning neuroscience on its head, this bodes well for medicine. Mental conditions such as Alzheimer's and schizophrenia would be much easier to identify from a physical footprint than nerve impulses. Daily Quiz Our barristers will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown three winners on Saturday. Monday. What is a common name for the mature winter squash, often used for seasonal decoration? Finally, here's the quote of the day from John Maynard Keynes, who was born on this day in 1883. Markets can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening. 